Welcome back to another episode of Rambling About Rivers with your hosts, one of them being me, Emily. I'm the campaign's lead at the Rivers Trust and your other host, Dan Turner. I'm back. I'm back uh, from a, you know, it's been a while, but I'm looking forward to this one. This is going to be, it's going to be a good one, actually. Um, we're going to talk about plastics um, and how to live a plastic-free lifestyle and also what you can do to help the cause and reduce the plastic in our rivers. Yeah, super excited. There couldn't be a better way to celebrate Plastic Free July. So let's get started. Welcome back to Rambling Without Rivers. And today we've got two awesome um, guests on who are our wonderful colleagues uh gabs and ali um we are going to talk a little bit around plastics gabs and ali can you just tell us a bit more about who you are and what you do uh hi everyone yeah i'm gabs um i've been with the rivers trust now for coming up to six months um outside of work i am a big uh, plastic pollution advocate and also run my own refill business hi there uh ali i have been here slightly shorter than that about two months so really nice to be part of the team. And I just kind of bang on about stuff and try and get people and communities engaged with lots of issues. Plastic's one of them. And I just try to get a few people to think for a brief moment more about the beautiful environment that we all do live in. So, yeah, that's it. I try and talk to people and engage people. So, Gabs, you said you live a kind of low-waste lifestyle. And I think when we first met, I wasn't really sure what that meant. So could you just yeah. tell us a bit more about what that actually means? Yeah, absolutely. So um, for for me and our household, it's just me and my partner, we um, kind of, it, it means for us sending as little waste to landfill as possible. Uh, plastic is obviously a big focus for us. Um, so we don't buy anything made of or wrapped in single use plastic. Uh, and that includes things like hidden or not so hidden uh, plastic in uh, such as polyester in clothing. Uh, so we try and buy, you know, all our all our clothing secondhand. Every, you know, everything we can, we try and buy secondhand. Um, it's basically just to have as little impact on the planet as possible. Um, and and as I say, plastic has been the biggest focus for us since we started this journey, coming up to three years ago now. Amazing. And is it is it easy to understand what products are sing? You know, you know, single use plastic and what isn't? Is that easy? Is that um, I think with general rule of thumb, if it's wrapped in plastic, we just avoid it. Right. Um, I know that's easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. I know it's not a journey um, that everybody can wholeheartedly jump into. Um, and, and we can, we, you know, we completely get that. We try and work with on our, on our business side, you know, we try and work with our customers to understand where they're producing the most plastic waste. And then we try and provide alternatives. So um, it, it's not no you know it's it's not an easy peasy journey um and there's a lot of a lot of learning that goes along with it um but i think that that's the most interesting thing and and you kind of become more empowered and more passionate about it as you go along so um yeah that's it's it's been an interesting three years <laughs> and was there any kind of reason why you know you kind of began that journey was there like a a, 
a moment of realization or yeah there was yeah there absolutely was um so uh before uh kind of diving into the environment sphere um as it were we my partner and i went backpacking for um 18 months and uh we went around australia and new zealand who were very clued up and had a lot of refill um options and schemes and then we got to asia and that's where we really saw the crux of the problem and um you know here if we throw something away we just think it's away we don't really think about it but we were watching uh, plastic get washed up on these beaches um you know day after day even after all the beach cleans we were doing out there uh and just seeing the impact it was having on these communities um, and also on the wildlife so we uh, saw a, a, at least two whales washed up while we were traveling um from ingesting plastic and we weren't you know in asia very long so I think for us that was a real eye-opening light bulb moment and we came home and we just fully went down the rabbit hole um, as to how we could live a, a, a kind of less low a lower waste lifestyle um, so yeah we kind of went in all guns blazing I think when you've seen something like that it's hard to come back from um, we'd always done our bit and we'd always um, we've always tried to reduce our impact as much as possible but that was really the turning point for us you asked a couple of minutes ago, Dan, how easy is it to recognise a single-use plastic? It is pretty easy. If you're going into a supermarket and you've got some uh, courgettes wrapped in a bit of plastic, you well know that is a single-use plastic. I, I actually think we need to strip some of the difficulty out of this. I can talk about that a tiny bit more in a, in a second. But we, we do mainly know what is going to be unwrapped and thrown in the bin. We also know the difference between a Tupperware. Now, Tupperware is a brand name but a plastic box. I'm an old person, so I'll use the expression Tupperware. We know I have Tupperware that is quite literally older than everyone else in this podcast right now. Not listening, but recording it. I have Tupperware that old. It's gone a little bit brown and yellow with the UV, but you know what? It still works and I can still stick it on a, a weighing tray in a supermarket and you say, can you use this, please? It's clean. <laughs> All right, then. And you avoid that little tub that you know you will use once and will be a single-use plastic. Most of us know pretty simply what are single use plastics. If I can just go on, I think we have to also be careful. I've had straw man arguments thrown at me in the past. When you talk about trying to cut down on your single use plastics, waste plastics in our life, plastic is an amazing, incredible material. It's light, it's strong, it's durable. You can make it into pretty much anything. It's cheap is another one, but it is not worthless. Let's remember that. But when people come and say to you, oh, so you're saying we shouldn't use plastic in hospitals to operate on my mum or your mum or my dad or your dad. No, I'm not saying don't use it in those instances. There are caveats to this single use plastic argument, but that is not one of them. We know that there are applications where those things will be used. However, wrapping up a bit of food in it that you know you're going to unwrap and throw in the bin after fully microseconds of use, we know that those are single-use plastics, so it really needn't be hard. Let's strip out some of the difficulty. Just to follow up to that point, I absolutely agree. Um, we know that if you can see small snack bags of kind of baby carrots that are going to be used once for a snack pack and then put in the bin, absolutely, there are choices that are easy to buy carrots and cut them up. I think what when, when I say it's difficult, I think... There are a lot of difficulties when it comes to options. So there are items such as salad, that's, you know, 
there are times where you do have to sit down and you have to spend a little bit longer researching. Um, you know, crisps as well, they're a huge one. Uh, I think at the, mo at the moment, there's only one brand on the market that do crisps in a home compostable packet. Um, so I think when I say it's difficult, I think it's just that. Yeah, Ali, you're completely right. It's not a case of it's actually that hard. It's just a case of adding a bit more time and an extra step into your routine. But once you're once you've done it once, it kind of comes naturally and it comes easy. You know where you can buy X, Y, Z. You know, I, I think the difficulty is, is it's not as easy as going into a supermarket, putting a bag of salad in your cart and checking out. Unfortunately, hopefully we'll get there. Because <laughs> it is difficult, especially when I'm a dad of two little kids and pretty busy and a, a very busy uh, partner who does a pretty stressful, well, a very stressful, difficult job. And it's really, really hard for family people to shop because the options aren't there. So I think me saying it's easy, it's easy to recognize it, it's not always, as you've just touched upon, easy to go, I have enough time to go to multiple shops to get the courgettes not wrapped in plastic. And, you know, and I, I will and do regularly, my, my very uh, strong, tough, clever wife will say to me, I just didn't have time to try and, you know, make reductions in what, in the plastic wrapping that's come through the, through the door in the, the, the the weekly shop so that's something else where we need the the supermarkets and multinationals to step up and sort of pressurizing from government and legislators down to say we can make differences to the packaging that's used to make it easier for all of us to lead a more plastic free life so yeah we're, we're in complete agreement. And so obviously, Gabs, you've kind of touched lightly on some of the obstacles towards creating your low waste lifestyle. But was there something that kind of caught you off guard and you didn't expect it to be as difficult as it was? Um, I think really it was. It is the, it is the food, um, food element of it. You know, as Ali's just touched on, it's really difficult. It can can be quite difficult to say, OK, well, I know I can get X, Y, Z from X, Y, Z shop. Um, and then having the time to go to um, kind of the old school mindset of going to the baker, going to the butcher, going to the gross, you know, to the grocer. So um, I think that was the biggest challenge for us um, was just kind of rearranging our food shop or our weekly shop um, and, and advocating for uh, companies who are doing their bit. So I think that um, it's really allowed us to vote with our pound and I really am a strong advocate for this. Um, I think it's really important to, you know, hit big companies where it hurts and stop spending your money with them. So, you know, people like Riverford who do their fruit and veg boxes, all their items are in compostable packaging, home compostable packaging as well, which is really important. Um, so I think that is, that has been the hardest um, point for us. Um, also just kind of finding A, the hidden plastics and also trying to slalom through greenwashing claims. Um, you know, the biodegradable stamp, the green stamp, the good for, the, it's got vegan or cruelty-free items in it, but then their parent company testing on animals. I think there's a lot that goes into it, um, not just, you know, in the plastic-free realm, but in the ecosphere in general, there's a lot of um, traps and, and pitfalls that you can sometimes fall into, and it's just a learning curve. You just have to pick yourself up and say, okay, you know what, I didn't know that um, this brand was owned by the parent company, so from now on I will um, vote with my pound, try and find such, you know, small independents, find what they're, you know, with their real passion, vote 
folk with your money and and spend spend it with them so um yeah definitely food <laughs> unfortunately um i really can't i actually kind of miss crisps but then as soon as you find an alternative it's great and um uh, it also allows you to understand what's going into your body it take kind of adds that extra step in of okay well i'm going to start making my own tortilla wraps and I know it's just flour and water and olive oil and that's going into my body. It's got no preservatives, no additives. Um, and that's been a really great step for us as well. Um, and it only takes an extra, say, 10 minutes when you're making a meal. So that that is kind of the hardest part, but also flip it on its head, a, the biggest opportunity um, and the greatest learning curve. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think uh, you know, Alice has kind of picked, picked up on a little bit of this just before is it's. <laughs> How do we get, how do we make sure what you're doing is, you know, we can scale that off and everybody does it. And you picked up a little bit about, you know, that just, it's so easy, isn't it? To go into the supermarket, we can do it quick. We're fine tuned now, we to now. We all live very busy lifestyles. Everything is instant. Everything is fast paced nowadays. And we don't have that. It's almost like, you know, we're, we're living kind of almost unconsciously, aren't we? Do you know what I mean? How do we like pause realize what we're doing is that a societal issue that we've got to do ourselves or is actually does that come from as as you say Ali from top down from the supermarkets etc to kind of make it easier for us to live across it free lifestyle yeah go for it we do need all of us the little people to push from beneath and we need legislators and multinationals to push from above and together push from the side and apply pressure from all around. And I think one thing that we do need to perhaps accept, the, the idea of slowing down, this is going on to maybe a different podcast, because suddenly you're talking about slowing economies and people going to a four day working week and making less profit. That may be the nettle we have to grasp in Western communities. And what I think we need to accept as individuals and indeed for the big people at the top is a little bit more inconvenience in our life a tiny little bit more inconvenience in our life do we necessarily need a cup of takeaway coffee for every 300 meters that we walk down a road probably not if you've forgotten to take your reusable coffee cup here's the thing maybe don't have a coffee we do need to remember life used to be not that long ago quite different where it was a little bit slower, it took a little bit more time to do things. You didn't necessarily order something from a big forest named business and get it the next day. You might even have had to wait it and go to a shop and spoken to someone and bought it for a few pence or even a couple of quid more. But there are slower ways of life, but I think it does mean that we have to accept a little bit of inconvenience into our life of, I'm not gonna have it instantly. And I think that is a big cultural change that certainly people like us guys, very lucky, wealthy people that we all are, we need to allow a bit of that into our lives. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's I think it's really interesting because it, it is a cultural change, but it's you know it's it's also it's not just a cultural change as well. It's it, it's you know these bigger companies etc. trying to make it easier for us etc. And you know maybe policy etc. helps play. And I think, but but on the flip side of that, there is success stories, right? Look at plastic straws, right? There is success, there is hope, there is change, and yeah, 
I think that's that that's reassuring. And I don't know if you've got anything to add to that. Yeah, I I do think that there's definitely been more of an uptake in the last few years. Um, you know, even things, uh, even programs on the BBC being, you know, we instantly see um, a spike in traffic on our website when a program like that is aired. So I think with that actually having airtime and, you know, radio programs are talking about it more. Um, I think more people are just curious about it and, and want to do their bit. And I there's a really lovely quote about not doing zero waste perfectly, but, uh, you know, one person doing zero waste perfectly, but a million of us doing it imperfectly. If we all just slow the roll, do our bit, and live more intentionally, I think that that will have more of an impact than, you know, the boulders on the beach. Um, so, you know, yeah, going back to the coffee thing, if we just take a moment, take a pause, it is really about slowing down and, and maybe going in for a cup of coffee in a mug um, and taking time and, and spreading the word as well. If you sit down with a friend and say, actually, you know, you know, we're going to take five minutes, we're going to have a coffee and we're going to talk about these issues. Spreading the word is is also you know so important um and and that's really where we've seen the biggest impact uh, impact when it comes to our refill business is word of mouth people will spread the word people will see that actually you know i'm seeing a reduction in plastic bottles in my home i want to get rid of this plastic in my lifestyle um for for my children and for future generations so um yeah definitely word of mouth it, it's it's spreading it is spreading which is really hopeful and really promising the really, really important thing to do, having talked about trying to get a bit of inconvenience allowed into our lives, you, talking to every listener listening to this, you have to do a thing. You have to make an action. You have to do something. We all do know it, listening to this podcast, we pretty much know it. Knowing it and actually doing something are two different things. So if there's one thing that I'm going to try and come back to, it is take an action, do a thing. And once you've done that, it's become part of your culture, your life, your modus operandi, do another thing. Yeah, no, I, I, that's, that, that, I mean, that, that kind of, I guess, leads quite quite nicely onto my kind of next question, back to, back to Gabs is, you know, if you were going to give somebody one bit of advice about how to lead, I mean, Sounds like the one thing, but what would be the one thing to start with? You know, start on your journey of reducing your plastic. What would be the one bit of advice? Use what you have. I think it's really, it's really tempting when you jump into this sphere to go, ah, plastic bad, put it all in the bin, start again. I'm going to go buy everything in bamboo. That's not, that's not the way forward. Um, you know, I still have a bottle. It's probably very out of date now, but I have a bottle of After Sun that I bought back in 2016, I think, and it's still going strong. So I'm going to continue to use it out of date or in date, whatever it is, I'm going to continue to use it. So, yeah, my biggest piece of advice would be to use what you have. Um, and just to um, add to that, I would also say start slow. It's not it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, I would say, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself there's a lot there's a, you know curated instagram feeds of zero waste shops and zero waste the zero waste lifestyle of mason jars being filled on shelves that's not what zero waste is about it's about using what you have doing the bit 
doing what you can, doing your bit. Um, and it doesn't have to be overwhelming. Just, just by using what you have, ch small changes, like Ali said, take your, take your Tupperware to the deli, take your Tupperware to the supermarket, take your Tupperware wherever you go, take your re reusable coffee cup so you never get caught short, take your reusable water bottle. The majority of places will fill them up for you now and actually have a positive comment to say for it. So um, yeah, use what you have, don't get overwhelmed. Awesome. That's, oh, that's that's absolutely you know that's perfect and and that's that's really useful for hopefully our listeners just you know take that one action um, and you know listening to this conversation just kind of reflecting on it, it seems like there was a pivotal moment that made you change um, and I think that's one of the key issues that we might have to address is to try and amplify that and you know let others have that kind of pivotal moment because I think we're all we're all subject to this so you know even if it's just flushing the toilet we flush the toilet that's the end of the journey it's not our problem anymore we put it in the bin that's the end of our journey it's not our problem anymore but actually seeing the end cause of that pollution in the sea etc is you know that's that's what we need to that's not the end of its journey and we need to realize that um, and i think that kind of probably needs leads us quite nicely onto kind of what the rivers trust are doing to kind of tackle some of that plastic pollution um, I know Emily's got a great question to answer. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> so I think we're all in agreement here that tackling plastic at its source is the best way to kind of fight back against it. You know, there's a lot of um, communication centred around recycling, but really the best thing to do is to not have that plastic in the first place. Although I would just like to know at this point, obviously for some people um, with disabilities or with chronic illnesses, Plastic is a bit of a lifeline, so you know those cut up vegetables that to some of us might seem incredibly wasteful are actually a bit of a lifeline. Um, but there is stuff that we can all do to cut down on our plastic use. But obviously as a society we're not really there just yet, we're not at the point where we can kind of say goodbye to single use plastic items. Um, so obviously at the Rivers Trust we're fighting to tackle the plastic that does unfortunately end up in and around our rivers. So Ali, I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about some of the work that's being done to fight plastic pollution. Um, so we're, we're heavily involved in a, a really big project called Preventing Plastic Pollution, and um, which is a, an EU funded. The EU is this funny old thing that involved a place called Europe. Um, apparently it's somewhere lost over some mythical waterway millions of miles away on the other side of the galaxy. However, the EU have funded a really big project that the Rivers Trust is involved with, which is doing all sorts of things, getting out there, getting volunteers engaged, getting um, plastic items removed from river cleans and um, setting up um, programmes that you can join all around, all around various areas, both sides, both England and in France, um, and getting communities, individuals and communities involved in physically getting involved in their local river, picking stuff up, counting it, capturing the data, enabling people like us, it's power to our elbow to go and talk to aforementioned multinationals legislators about exactly what we're finding, where we're finding it. And indeed now with our wonderful colleague, Annika France, thanks Annika, who's just um, rewritten our surveys in the preventing plastic pollution areas to also now capture, we're gonna try, if we can get those really hardcore river cleaners and litter pickers, probably people a bit like me, because I try and litter pick once or twice a day. Boring. Anyway, 
trying to get them out there looking at polymers looking at a, looking at what brands we're finding and so there is a huge amount going on with the rivers trust a really important partner and all the various trusts throughout the country getting people at their local river their local stream joining in their community meeting people making friends getting exercise the mindfulness what i do and what gabby do we wander along with our coffee in our probably multiple used very very old coffee cup going oh look i'm wandering through an urban space once again because my life has come to this we're not necessarily talking about wild spaces but we are talking about natural spaces and there can even be natural spaces in the middle of urban areas they are known as rivers lakes ponds or indeed if you live at the coast it might be known as the sea or the ocean so come and join go and find with your local rivers trust or come and go on our website um, just go to riverstrust.org and, and, and type in members trust you will find a trust near you doing a clean being part of a community that will get you together will offer you the opportunity to join in they'll give you a pair of gloves and a litter picker and a survey form get involved it's as simple as getting out there and and i go back to it doing a thing go on the website riverstrust.org type in members trust there will be a group near you you can join awesome well yeah and and, and actually i don't know when, one time you know when i've been involved with like volunteering opportunities etc it, it feels good right it's good it feels yeah. good Right? It's great right. for mental health. Yeah, feeling good is is otherwise known as good mental health. So, I mean, mental health has become like a kind of a, a zeitgeist expression over the last sort of couple of years. But the, the, the jury is in on being in a natural, not necessarily wild, but we can go to a natural space. We can join with like-minded people and say, hello, how are you doing? My name is, who are you? How are you? Should we go over there and clean that bit? It could be in a park. It could be on a tiny little stream running through the, the, the town local to you. That is really good for mental health. And indeed there's so much going on um, in schools, I mean, just with the, the, the Preventing Plastic Pollutions project that so far, I think something like 327 educational workshops have taken place. Now, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, go on the, the PPP website, go on the Rivers Trust um, website, go on your local Rivers Trust website, find what resources are available. Could you write in to the to your um, parent teacher group at the school and say, look, there's some really great resources that some of the teaching staff could use here's the link uh, maybe even volunteer some of your time to go and help them do um go and do pond dipping or a little stroll on a litter pick and put your high vis on so there are things you can do good for your mental health good for the environment and we often talk about this expression a vicious circle now we're talking about a virtuous circle and how good is that we're talking virtuous circle instead of the horrible yucky vicious circle out with the vicious circle in with the virtuous one i love that expression i'm going to start using that that's great you're welcome to have it that actually brings me quite nicely on to a little plug for one of my favorite projects which is another uh, project that we work on at the rivers trust which is called in no plastic which stands for <clears throat> 
innovative approaches towards prevention, removal and reuse of marine plastic litter. Um, so that's another EU funded project, that funny old thing, the European Union, um, within the Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Programme. And so the basic aim of it is to develop and demonstrate technologies for the cleanup of nano, micro and macro plastics. And it's such a cool project. Um, and this kind of leads on from what you were talking about, the social element of litter picks. Um, and in no plastic combines kind of social change with technology. And so on one hand, on one half of the project, you've got these awesome kind of science fiction sounding interventions. Like there's this thing called the seeker robot, which is this really, really cute little all terrain robot who could go around and pick up plastic. Um, and then on the other hand, we are working trialing some social rewards apps. So as well as having the kind of social element of a litter pick, you can actually be rewarded for it as well. So, you know, if you pick up a kilogram of litter, you might be rewarded with 20% off of one of your favorite restaurants or something like that. And so we're currently working within No Plastic to trial that and to see how that can make a change for people engaging with litter pick activity in their areas. Because, you know, having that push to actually get out and start doing that is all some people will need. Because like you've said, once, once you're kind of out there reaping the benefits of spending time in blue space and also having that social element, um, it's probably something that you're going to want to carry on doing. Awesome. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, obviously a couple of these projects funded, EU funded projects, and I think that's another kind of uh, key aspect of this is it, it's not just our problem in the UK. It, it, we all contribute to this. It all ends up in our seas. It's everybody's problem. And it's going to have to take, you know, cost boundary and, you know, it's going to have to take a, you know, and where does our waste go? You know, a lot of our waste goes over, you know, our recycled waste goes overseas. So this is a global issue, you know, and it, it, it's great to see that we are continuing to work with uh, European partners uh, and people to, to collectively try and solve an issue. So it is it's good to hear that that's still happening, you know. The importance, when I mentioned groups and Emily's mentioned groups and Gabs has mentioned groups, the importance of knowing you are not in silo, you are not alone in being the person that picks up a bit of litter when you walk the dog or go down and to the to the local co-op to buy your milk or whatever it is. The importance of not knowing you are not alone is huge. And I think with the, the, the fabulous project that I'm lucky enough to be involved with when I speak to all these brilliant, lovely, just like you guys, but with fresh French accents and pretty good French language skills, funnily enough, knowing that there are people on that side of the water on this side of the water and indeed around the world with a shared common goal is hugely important none of you are alone in being someone that is listening to this podcast cares about and wishes to make changes positive changes for this planet you're not alone there's four you know there's a whole bunch of us here and gabby's going to come in so yeah you're not alone yeah i was just on that point um i um not to plug it again but as a um you know an eco shop owner i love having these conversations with people so if you are feeling a little bit kind of despondent or with a bit of eco anxiety i think the best thing you can do is just you know toddle on down to your local zero waste shop or um you know community group uh, find like-minded people in your community because it's really empowering to have those conversations um even if on a small scale um it, it makes you feel like ali says you're, you're not alone and you can do these things and i think there is a real 
um, worry and um, a real uh, problem with eco-anxiety and oh, this kind of dooms, um, doomsday uh, clock mentality, unfortunately, at the moment. So, um, yeah, I would just advocate advocate for that just go go and speak to people go down to um yeah your your local refill shop because they will have loads of um tips and tricks and um also want to talk to you about it um nine times out of ten so yeah i would just i would just say um yeah go and do that one thing i think underpinning all this and especially talking all of our jobs in this podcast or at least part of this recording working for the rivers trust the one thing I need to go back to before any of this, before you're inspired to do a thing about your the plastics in your life is go out and enjoy your local river. Go out and reconnect yourself to your local green and for us, obviously, especially blue space. There are things you can do, like, you know, go, there will be footpaths that you can walk along rivers there will be spaces you can get to, lots of them with good access, depending if you've got children or family or whatever in a wheelchair or you have limited mobility. There are spaces out there near you. Go on Sustrans website, go on Footpath Map, go and find, go check British Canoeing's website out, go and check out kayak and paddling. And there's loads of access to these spaces that will reconnect you to the actual reason that will catalyze and inspire you to actually do the thing that I've asked about. So I would like to come back and say, before all of this, go and make a small effort to reconnect yourself with your local space. For me, it would be the River Chelt a couple of hundred meters away, and it would be a tiny, tiny little river at that stage. I mean, it's a fairly grand name to give itself the Chelt, the River Chelt. It's a tiny little brook but it will babble along and I'll pick up some litter out of it, but I'm connected with that space. I might even see a little brown trout or something if I'm really lucky. I might see the dart of a, of a, um, of a pied wagtail or something, and I'll be reconnecting with that space. I think we need to put that in front of everything we're doing. Let's reconnect ourselves with nature, then be inspired and catalyzed to doing something to look after it. Too right, yeah, and I, I totally agree. And I think you know, we unfortunately we've gotten to, and Gab's picked upon a little bit is this like bit of doom culture. We're always you know filled with negative um, representation around rivers. So either flooding, sewage, you know, sewage in our rivers, plastic in our rivers. It's all very negative, and actually the reason we're protecting them is because they're awesome, right? And we love them and they're great and we want to be next to them and that's why we're there. So I totally agree. We've got to reconnect in a positive way with our, 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 um, with our rivers and be the stewards of that rivers because we love them and because we can see how good and positive they are on our lives. Um, and we, yeah, I think we've, we've all got to kind of try and put that at the forefront because... You know, it's, it's got to come from a positive place, not a negative place. Yeah, totally. Go and read some Roger Deakin or Rob Robert McFarlane. Um, Roger, De- Roger, De- uh, Roger Deakin came up with all water, river, sea, pond, lake, holds memory and the space to think, which is a beautiful thing. I'll say it again. All water, river, sea, pond or lake holds memory and a space to think. All water. And, you know... Go and read Matt Gore's The Pull of a River, A Journey into the Wild and Watery Heart of Britain. There's brilliant books out there. You can be lying in your bed and connecting with nature. Read a fantastic book, 
book, listen to these podcasts, reconnect yourself with these spaces, green and blue. Awesome. Well, and that's a, a perfect ending to this podcast. And it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you both, uh, both from kind of action and what you can do. Um, and just pretty inspiring. So thanks again for all the work that you're doing um, and the work you are in trying to inspire people and make change. And let's go on this journey together. And uh, hopefully we will have less plastic in our rooms. That was a terrible ending, but now. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Emily. Thanks, Dave. Well, I hope you are all inspired to do a thing. And uh, yeah, that was great. That was, uh, it's always good to talk to colleagues and um, talk about some of the exciting projects that we're doing at the Rivers Trust. Um, and uh, yeah, some really good, helpful tips there. Um, lots of things that uh, different people mentioned in throughout the podcast. So what we'll do is we'll put some links in the show notes below uh, so you can click and find out about these projects, but also some of the, the books Alistair mentioned. So yeah, you feeling inspired? What's the one thing you're going to do, Emily, from now on? Oh gosh. Well, I think for me, it's like we were kind of discussing, it's very easy to get in that trap of just doing what's easiest. And I think one thing that Gabs said stuck with me, which was living intentionally. And I think we can all do a bit more towards that and being a bit more mindful in the way that we, you know, consume products in our daily lives. So I think for me, that's going to be it. Next time I go to the supermarket, I'm going to be a bit more mindful of what's going in the basket. Awesome. Yeah, I think what I'm going to do next time is next time I go to the supermarket, I'm going to go through the doors and I'm actually going to just pause for 10 seconds and think about it before I go into the shop. That's, that's good, right? Yeah, just as long as you don't do it in the doorway. Yeah, true. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thanks all for listening. And we already have our next podcast in the pipeline. Uh, it's going to be a great one. So we're talking all things farming, but with a specific focus on farmer engagement. And so we'll be speaking to Lisa Stewart, who's one of our amazing colleagues. And she actually has not only a background in farming, but she's been working on the Source to Tap project, which is a cross-border project over on the island of Ireland. Um, and she's made some amazing strides over there toward uh, creating a system where farmers and rivers are kind of existing in harmony and it's really really exciting to see so yeah I'm, I'm super stoked for the next episode look forward to it